to stop and shine. They try to break me, try to take me out, but I got Jesus on my side. So bad I thought I would die. But ain't no power stronger than the one that came and laid down his life. And I got mountains to climb. But the enemy can't stop me, cause there's a calling on my life. So when I'm crying, don't last too long. Cause he gon' step in and make it alright. Only do it, he said he would. Fight your battles for you, they gon' wonder how you sleep at night. Only do it, but yes he will. Anybody tell you something different, you know that's a lie. He's always listening Ain't nobody perfect Everybody's hurting Need your whisper, Lord Save me from my weaknesses Cause you're always on time Come and get your breakthrough Cause I'm gonna get mine do it He said he would Fight your battles for you They gon' wonder how you sleep at night Only do it But yes, he will Anybody tell you something different You know that's a lie It's my jam. <laughs> it is my jam. Why we do it, Vanessa? All times, all times. First of all, I'm praying oh. somebody who's from Girl Check Merchandising Team, which is a team of one named Carmen and, and Jada, too. I hope they on this line because I'm going to get my blessing. You get yours. What she was saying in that song, we need to turn that into a, <laughs> into a T-shirt. Hashtag Girl Check. Hashtag won't he do it. Somebody make those shirts happen because you know that that's yes. exactly what I am doing at Girl Trek every day, getting my breakthrough. And this is an invitation on Black History Bootcamp for everybody everywhere in the sound of our voice to get their breakthrough, a personal opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to start with a different song today, but I needed that breakthrough for myself. <laughs> Look, Morgan. You need a breakthrough. So I will start crying before I started because I was like, God, please give me the word to be able to inspire other people when right now I'm really struggling to inspire myself. It has been a hard week. It's been a hard, hard week. And for me, and I know it has not been a hard week for some of you because I can feel your prayers. And when I'm up, I'll be praying for y'all. I appreciate it. And Listen, I was so moved yesterday. We got a data report because we're fancy at Girl Trek. Shout out to China, who is our director of impact. And she was like, y'all, every day on the call, thousands of women call in live. Yeah. And over 800,000 downloads of the podcast. I was just what? Like, Are you yeah, I was just like, Vanessa, so I was feeling a little bit shook. And I was like, God, please just let me say something that's halfway inspiring to one person. God, that is maybe enough, but maybe 10. <laughs> oh, God. God, I don't know what God will do with me, but I'm just like, please. So let's get started. So it's Friday. 
It's Black History Bootcamp 3.0, the prayer edition. Some of you are new. If you are, welcome. I'm Morgan. That's Vanessa. We're the co-founders of an amazing organization called Girl Trek that is run by the power of volunteers across the country who have committed their time, their spirit, their prayers, their families <laughs> to the movement. Morgan, there is the dopest. I'm interrupting because this is exciting to interrupt. I just wanted to give a shout out and I'm going to post her on my personal page when I find her post. There was a woman today with the cutest little girl trick polo on. And I think she was in Philadelphia. And when I say she gave the best like 60 second pitch on how to mail in your ballot, how to make sure it's not going to get rejected, what to do. She did it like a professional for Black Girl Justice League. It was so good. I learned so much information and I was like, who taught that woman how to do this? So our volunteers and our organizers are so amazing. She's teaching you how to do it. That's what we I know. the whole magic of Girl Trek is she's teaching you how to do it. And speaking of voting, I want to start today with prayer because I desperately need prayer right now. And so I yes, want to introduce our special guest today. And our special guest comes from none other than the historic, I mean, the mothership of churches in Harlem, Abyssinian Baptist Church. We have Reverend Bacchus with us today. He is a community organizer. He, for a while, was the CEO of Abyssinian Development Corporation, which I remember because I used to be a principal of a school in Harlem. And Columbia University was trying to come for Harlem, and Abyssinian Baptist Church was battling for us, battling for our people, battling to stop gentrification in Harlem. And he was the leader of that. It was like a $40 million initiative back then. So I'm just deeply, deeply honored. If you don't know Abyssinian Baptist Church, that's the church. Listen, where Adam Clayton Powell Sr. was the pastor, then Adam Clayton Powell Jr. was the pastor, and James Baldwin's daddy was buried there. I mean, it is the, so Martin Luther King did that Vietnam speech that was fire there. I mean, it has been a bastion of community organizing and black power in the best sense of spiritual power, economic power, and people power. So I'm so, so, so grateful to have a word from Reverend Bacchus. Morgan, before the word even comes in, Reverend, because that introduction was so powerful, Morgan. I oh, stop interrupting. No, the I got to. This okay, is important. It's important. So is the prayer. Need- Let's go. go. Come on. I need specific prayer. We are navigating treacherous waters at Girl Trick. We are trying to figure out how to build up a leadership team, how to love on women and practice self-care, but still hold them accountable, how to proliferate Black households with our message of joy and healing, how to do it fiscally responsible to our donors, how to do it in a way that honors everybody's labor who's been a part of this project, and we are struggling right now. So actually, I want to just name really what I'm struggling with so that the prayer that is coming in can actually cover and that I cannot pretend even in this moment that the issues aren't as big as they are. I feel confident that we are going to navigate Morgan and arrive on the other side at beautiful shores, but I just wanted to take the opportunity that was given to me to ask for specific prayer. You're going to take the opportunity that was given to you? (laughs) Yeah, that's what God told me. What did she just say? You get your blessing, I'm going to get mine. What did she say? You get your healing, I'm going to get mine. Whatever it is, look. Okay. Yes. Breakthrough. I I needed a breakthrough. Before you even opened your mouth, before you even opened your mouth, the prayer was covering you. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about, Vanessa. That's what I'm saying. You don't even need to be anxious because before you even opened your mouth, God knew exactly what needed to happen right now, right now. 
So I'm saying, yeah, get the prayer request in, y'all issue y'all specific prayers, and you also have to let me lead sometimes, too. You know what I mean? Like, and also let God lead sometimes, too. And, but God told you, never mind. You're right. You're right. I'm going to fall back. I'm going to let God lead. You're right. God told you. Thank you. So, yes, there are other specific prayer requests every single day. We also, in the bottom of the email, there are prayers that are, have been rolling in last I don't know. I think we might have been at 9,000, 10,000 prayers. So all of those, let's hold those in with yours, Vanessa, and let's hear that word. My name is Reverend Reginald Lee Backus. Let's pray. Oh, gracious and eternal God, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that every time we pray, you hear us because we are your children. We stand, we gather together now around this unified prayer call for justice. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the prophet Amos declared, God, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. We need justice in this season like never before. But God, we ask that this dispensation of justice is not just us, but a justice of equity, of parity, of opportunity that all may partake in the fruits and bountiful benefits of this democratic experiment called America. We stand against voter suppression and everything that would come up to stop a fair and equitable election. This is our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Look, do you hear that man baritone voice on this call? Like, how the prayers ain't coming through? How the prayers ain't coming through with that black man baritone that then traveled all the way up from somewhere in Mobile and then crossed through St. Louis and then ended up at Abyssinia Baptist Church? Like, come on. Come on, brothers and sisters and ancestors. Speaking of the ancestors, y'all, last night was hard. I wrote three or four different emails about Jesse Owens because the first email started with James Cleveland. First of all, Vanessa, I'm about to blow your mind. Did you know Jesse Owens' name was James Cleveland? (laughs) (laughs) His name is James Cleveland Owens. And here, this is how God works. I was going to surprise you on this call with that old James Cleveland song. (laughs) First of all, I love James Cleveland. Nothing he does is ever old. It is a classic. We are so young. Okay, cry, Anthony, cry, Anthony. <laughs> I was gonna start with that. That's why I was gonna start with what the devil tried to come for us today. So I had to. But mostly, what I was thinking when you just shared that fact is that is that a whole other edition of Black History Bootcamp? Random facts, four point oh, because yes, I just like. I'm like, that was random and also genius. But here's what's crazy about, not even crazy, not even random, completely divine. I was going to play that before I knew it was James Cleveland. So then I'm watching the movie again yesterday because my research includes watching the movie again. I did some more research, but I watched the race. Jesse Owens movie yesterday and his mom was like, James Cleveland, get in here. And I said, what? So here's the cool part about it. His name was James Cleveland, so he went by the initials JC, JC Owens. 
But then his second or third grade teacher thought he said Jesse Owens, not Daisy. So people started calling him Jesse Owens. Yeah, it's so crazy. So maybe James Cleaver was named after him because at one point in 1939, he was the most famous man in the entire world. Jesse Owens, a.k.a. James Cleveland Owens, was the most famous man in the entire world in 1939. And specifically, August of 1939, which was the famous Olympics that were held in Germany, hosted by Adolf Hitler. And I'm going to tell you something, Vanessa. The fact that today has been such a struggle is not consequential because that man went against the greatest evil this planet has ever seen. And the devil be coming for you when you talk about the spiritual warriors who fight battle, the devil, and win. And he won. Yeah. Yeah. And Adolf Hitler tried to create the Summer Olympic Games in such a way that it was going to be his largest, biggest, grandest moment of propaganda. The way he came into the stadium the Hail Hitlers that were all throughout the hundreds of thousands of people that were there, the songs that were playing, the big old blip that flew over that had swastikas on it, the coliseums with swastikas, they were rounding up our Jewish brothers and sisters in the streets during the Olympics. He tried to make this statement on what cultural and racial dominance, white supremacy and Aryan supremacy meant. This was his moment. He had orchestrated everything for it. But what he didn't count on is a sharecropper son named James Cleveland Owen, man who at the age of six could pick a hundred bales of cotton, who moved to Ohio with his family, who made a way out of no way every single day, who every single day honed his body, honed his will, honed his spirit, and set his eye on the horizon of victory long before he entered the stadium. That's what Hitler didn't count on. And Look, always shook the whole. They tried game. to bury us. They didn't count on us coming uh, back up as seeds. <laughs> he shook the whole game up. It was a complicated story, so beautiful, like a hero's journey, like no other. So, here's the deal. What you need to know is that after Jesse Owens literally won four gold medals. There were only 23 contests. So he won about one in every five gold medals. Him. He was just like, I'm going to take that one. What do you need? This one? This one too? Okay, I'm going to take that one. And there were only 23 contests in the entire Olympics for men. And he won four of them. And what happened is when he was performing, he did first the 100 meter. He obviously won the gold. He then did the long jump and he broke the world record. And by that time, Hitler would just leave because he wasn't going to shake his hand or anything. By the time he got to the 200, I like this. (laughs) By the time he ran the 200 meters, the entire crowd who had been hailing to Hitler started cheering the word Owen. And you know they had their German accent, so it sounded like, oh, Vince, oh, Vince, oh, Vince, oh, Vince. And it was almost the most touching fact because I am telling you, America can be transformed. And if you are walking with us today and you don't believe that, I want you to soften your heart and believe that we on the phone, that us being in our greatness, that us practicing our excellence can actually change and shift the atmosphere. And we know that. Because at the tensest time in world history, in the face of absolute evil, 
this tiny black man who was running his personal best shifted the entire Coliseum in his favor. So then, you know, there was a famous long jump where one of the Germans was the best and they thought he was going to win. They thought that was the one gold medal they were going to choose. And of course, he didn't. And in not winning, though, he was so impressed by the spirit and the grace of Jesse Owens. He lost because he scratched at the end. And then he told Jesse Owens, no, brother, take your last jump. And he took the last jump and he broke the world record and they became long friends after that. And they ran around the stadium together holding arms. I mean, there was such like a grace and beauty of rising above hate. There just really is. But that's not actually the story I want to tell. I don't want to talk about the gold medals. You can read. He has a biography. You can watch all the clips, the historic documents. I encourage you to do it because he's beautiful running. He's just so powerful. He's a powerful man. And even he broke the world records when he was injured, even before the Olympics. And I don't want to talk about that. I actually want to talk about what happened to Jesse Owens when he came home. Mm -hmm. When Jesse Owens came home, the first thing you need to know is in his defeat, Adolf Hitler, just days later, I think it was like 11 or 12 days later, invaded Poland and started World War II. That's the kind of petulance and just big egos and small, small, small tolerance for not being supreme. (laughs) This man had, I'm sure he was going to do this anyway, but it isn't a coincidence that he was beaten to a pulp by a black man in the Olympics that he hosted. And then weeks later invaded Poland to start world war two, which we know what happened in that war. And so he's such a symbol of what happens when everyday people stand up to evil. And so I'm just encouraging people to do that today. But when he came home, he was greeted by, I think the estimate was a million people on the streets of New York City. Uh A million people is a lot of people. We know that intimately, right? So the estimates are that there were a million people to receive Jesse Owens because they were so proud of him. They were so proud of defeating, you know, the regime of Hitler on the world stage. And so they welcomed him home, but not one time did he hear from the White House. Because you have to remember it's 1939 in America, and that Mm -hmm. racism is still running rampant. And that, in fact, in order to even prepare Jesse Owens to compete in the Olympics, that he had to face like intolerable racism, not only in South Carolina and Ohio, but on the team even, and that people didn't even want him to run, but his physical dominance and his superiority when it came to athleticism made him undeniable, made him undeniable. So they needed him. Mm -hmm. They needed his labor in order to prove that America was dominant. And he showed up for them. But when he came home, they didn't even acknowledge him formally because it became then political. And in 1939, this is FDR. This is Franklin D. Roosevelt with, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt and all of their progressive reputation. In that progressive reputation, he would not take a risk to invite a black man to the White House to thank him for his service to our country. And so Jesse Owens went on record that saying, no, Hitler didn't shake my hand when I won the gold medal, but neither did the president of the United States. And I was like, right. call it like Hello. you see it. Hello. Call it, call like, it like you see it. Yeah, meaningly. Call it like Look. you see it. <laughs> call it like you see it. And then 
when he got back to New York City, even he wasn't allowed in the front door of the celebration dinner. And so what I found to be so disheartening after this is one of the things that happened after he wore gold medals for the United States, unprecedented at the time, people said that he was the perfect human, like his body, you know, what they were really saying is that he was some kind of specimen. Even the people, Mm -hmm. both Americans and Germans, question whether black people should be allowed in the Olympics then, which is crazy because the Germans said that's like allowing a gazelle or a deer to run. That's what they said. It was crazy. In fact, they preferred to have Jesse Owens run in the last four by one relay than the Jews who were originally scheduled to run on the team because A, they hated and were extinguishing Jews in a mass genocide, but also because they could disprove any victory because they didn't think black people were human, right? So they preferred for Jesse Owens so that they could say that. And it reminded me of what's happening now in the Olympics, even around gender, when people have too much testosterone, you know, they're quite whether they can compete as women. And I was just like, listen, you guys can't actually have it both ways where you want us to be the best on the planet at our sport and then question whether or not our humanity fits into your box. Do you understand what I mean? Like the Olympics is about being your very best. So that's one of the things I wanted to tell you. And then I'm going to direct the story. And then I have three discussion points that I really want to talk about with you. So the rest of the story goes like this. When he became famous, he immediately got endorsement deals. He got an endorsement deal reportedly of $100,000, which was huge in 1939. Jesse Owens was a father already to a young daughter. He had a daughter before college with the love of his life. And he was like, thank you, God. Like, I got this endorsement deal. Well, the Olympic team wanted to parade him around the world as you know, American dominant, and they wanted to go all through Europe or whatever. And in fact, lots of medalists did that. Jesse Owens was like, no, 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 I have four gold medals, but you can't eat gold medals. I mean, it's that's his quote. He was like, no, 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 I need money. So he went back to the United States and started doing endorsement deals. And the Olympic committee revoked his amateur status and destroyed his oh, career right. as an Olympian. Because you can't of compete in the Olympics if you are a quote-unquote paid professional. They revoked right. his status because they could not control this man, and they destroyed his career. And so, Vanessa. There's another discussion point even there for people to just ruminate on, which is what is happening with the NC2As and college sports and black athletes who are not being paid right now and the universities who are making millions off of them through ticket sales and television rights. All of this is connected, Morgan. Even before then, when you were saying about Adolf Hitler and how he went home enraged, right? Last week, I got to do commentary live during the vice presidential debate with Fox Soul. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. But I'm clearly not made out for that type of like short clip stuff because I'll be having a lot to say. But one of the conversation points that we were having is that two of the other panelists were saying that Kamala Harris is up here showing people, right, like that we are great and that, you know, and we continue to show them because they don't know that we are great and that part of this oppression and this movement for Black Lives was around, you know, showing people that we're great. And I'm just like, people need to understand. And Toni Morrison, I think, probably said it the best when she said that the serious function of racism is distraction is that it's not because they don't know. 
So to be clear, it's actually because they explicitly see our genius, explicitly see our brilliance, explicitly know we are spiritual warriors and that we have developed a survival gene that makes us just competitive in a way that this world isn't even ready for. I think people explicitly know that. And then what has happened is they have year over year for almost 400 and something years built systems to try to suppress that. That is what systemic racism is. So any kind of campaign that we go into to prove to people some sort of thing so that they can realize our humanity, that is not a strategy to fight against racism. And this story around Adolf Hitler is an exact example of that, Morgan. Yeah, so I'll tell you the rest about his life a little bit later. So that's the second discussion question I do want to talk about. But the first one is slightly related to what you just said, Vanessa. I don't think that proving ourselves to others, to white people, to the world, whoever, is a goal. But I do think proving ourselves to ourselves is a goal. I do think that excellence for excellence sake is a goal. And there's one part of Jesse Owens' story that was actually one of the better parts in the movie. I don't necessarily recommend the movie because it really positioned the white characters as the heroes in the movie. But one part that I thought was good is they showed a member of the NAACP who came to Jesse Owens' home with his family right before he was going to leave for the 1939 Olympics. And he said, listen, brother, we're counting on you to protest this Olympics in solidarity with oppressed people around the world. And Jesse Owens said, I've been trying my whole life to get here. He said, I've been running as fast as I can. I've been training from sunup to sundown so that I can show up in my most excellent self. And so I have a question, like a legitimate, genuine question around when is it okay to have like your own pursuit and passion? When is it okay to have your own pursuit of excellence? And when do you need to sit one out for the team and protest? And I know they're not mutually exclusive, but often they are. Often it's like you can't be joyful on Instagram because the community is suffering or you can't go on vacation because somebody got to pay their rent. You know what I mean? It's that we can't actually ever be our best because we are always compelled to be compassionate and sympathize and be in solidarity with those who are at their worst, which oftentimes are the people who look like us and from our communities. And I just felt like it was so unfair of the NAACP to ask him that, but as we spoke about it Kaepernick, is. like, should he have sat out? I mean, should he have been right. like, no, we're not participating. He's literally killing Jewish people right now. Like, right. what would you have done is my question. I don't know if I have an answer right now, because when I tell you that I feel like every second can be a moral dilemma of which you think you're taking the high road and then circumstances will change your mind and and humble you quickly. So I don't know is my answer right now, Morgan, but I will say this and I'm conflicted, right? Because I'm from Seattle. I love the Seahawks, 12 man, all that stuff. But I'm just like, dang, black folks, we have all the power. Ain't hardly any black coaches. There ain't no black owners. I'm talking about NBA, NFL. We the most. What would happen if they just all walked off? LeBron, all them just said, we're going to go play over here. And here's a powerful example of this. There was one of the top recruits coming out of high school into basketball this year, Morgan. This, he was originally from Africa, I think, Sudan. But he was competitive. Kentucky, Connecticut, Duke, all the big basketball teams going to him. You know where he chose, Morgan? Howard. H-U, Howard, Howard University. And he was like, and if everybody else follows my lead, they'd be over here watching us and our institutions would be collecting all this money and we would be building real serious like wealth and knowledge for our communities. He was like, why do I got to go to Kentucky? Because the fans who tune in to watch me in Kentucky would tune in if all y'all just came and got with the program. 
It is so powerful. Yes, but the choice is not quite that easy because the truth oh, is. Oh, I know. Is that I know it ain't. That's why I said it can humble me. <laughs> Yeah, Kentucky has a more supported, more resourced program, you know. But why? But why? Why, though? Yeah, and I'm not giving causation, and that's my exact point. My point is systemic racism is systemic racism, and how many of us have to sacrifice our lives and dreams to remedy systemic racism? I'm saying, yeah, it could start with you. It could start with me. It should start with all of us. But I'm saying at what cost? I'm honestly saying that because I'm saying according to what you're saying, then he should have, in solidarity, not gone to the Olympics. Which case, Actually, what I'm saying, Jesse in Owens. my example, because I'm using with the NBA and NFL, though, so I don't know if this applies to Jesse Owens, and I'm only giving this as my real example because maybe this is a solution, is I don't yeah. know the answer around how much we have to personally sacrifice, but I believe the solution lies heavily in collective organizing. And so Jesse Owens or LeBron James shouldn't have to make individual choices around sacrifice because we have enough collective power that if we actually harnessed it, we wouldn't have to sacrifice any because the bounty is ours and we would take it wherever we go. But that requires somebody to be the leader, somebody to be like, yo, let's not go to that game. Somebody to do like, and that's the burden that I don't know who got the time to do because we tired as heck around this place, right? We're also not collectively organizing around things like lifestyle, right? I mean, Girl Trek is, but I'm saying in general, right. people don't say, I mean, we do a great job, for example, with the stress protest on Labor Day, which is the day that we celebrate the labor of the world. And we know black women's labor has been exploited. We ask black women to stage a stress protest, to not go to work, so right. you can come to the mountains with us. And it happens every year. So yeah. I'm saying that yeah. is collective organizing around giving black women permission for storyline or support to take the time they need to rest, right? But when you, Vanessa Garrison, don't post your vacation pictures because you know that people in your family are struggling, that's not the man. I'm saying, how do we balance our individual pursuit for joy, for excellence, even glory? Morgan, just so that the audience knows who's listening, I'm actually on your side even on this because, you know, mine is don't sacrifice nothing. I have even told you, I think Harriet Tubman came back for her family because guilt, she got to the other side. She was like, she was hard over here and they over there. Dang, I got to go. Like, who knows? I'm just saying the pressure be real. So I feel it, Morgan, and my bones and my body and my knees. Black women, we feel it. We got to shake it off though somehow. So I don't know all the answers, but trust me, liberation does start with not letting somebody else kill your spirit, your dreams, your joy. So I feel that. And yet, Morgan, I also edit heavily my social media based on my family's feelings and misconceptions around how I'm living. And so I totally feel you and don't have any answers right here, right now, except to just honor that it's a hard question. Yeah. So he grappled with it the way we're grappling with it until the night he had to leave. And in fact, he was like, well, just put me on the paper, but I might not run. Like, literally, that's how much he was grappling (laughs) with it. He was like, okay, I'm going to come. I'm going to bring my outfit, but I still might not go. And at the last minute, he chose to run his race, Vanessa. He chose to run his race. He chose to get in his lane, do his personal best, and run his race. And I just gleaned so much just gritty inspiration from that. I just want to get in my lane and run my race. It's like for so, so much pressure to fall back and go together. You know the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think the boot of white supremacy requires us to move or we're going to get suffocated. I think we have to go fast and far, which requires us to get in our lane, run like hell, and organize when we get to the top. 
Like, that's actually what I think. That's actually what I think. And so I get so frustrated when people are judging from the sidelines on what you do. I'm saying either get in the game or don't say anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. encouraging everybody out there. There's going to be so many people on the sideline. There were people in Jesse Owens' community, his family. Even his dad was like, it don't matter if you go or you stay because ain't nothing going to change. And I was just like, see, that's half the problem right I'm just saying there's going to be people on the sidelines who don't want to see you run your personal best, who don't want to see you run your race, or who are intimidated by that, or who question your choices because it's a reflection on them. And I'm saying for me, I am saying this to myself, Morgan, run your race. Run your race because you are your people and your glory is their glory. And at the same time, acknowledge what's happening. You understand what I mean? Do it eyes wide open. Don't close your eyes. Because at the same time, when he won, I really think he made a mistake. I really think with his platform, now listen, you can't eat gold medals, so you got to get the money. With his platform, though, he could have used it for liberation. It was in the middle of World War II. He could have used it as a platform. And he tried, he tried even... Later on, he was in all the Olympic committees and stuff. He was even talking to Jimmy Carter about protesting the, I think it was the Russian Olympics in the 80s or something like that. I think we didn't go to. And he was like, no, the Olympic Games are where humanity shows up at its best. And Jimmy Carter was like, nah. <laughs> it's like, we don't know what Russia's doing right now. And he actually had a real falling out with the black community at one point because the Panthers who put their fifth up when they won the gold and silver medal. Tommy um, Smith and... Tommy Smith was the one guy, and then Juan Carlos or something Carlos. I can't think of his name, but we should figure that out. <laughs> the Panthers who stood on the platform, I think they were in Mexico. Okay, I have, we got to set the record straight really quickly. During the medal ceremony in the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City on October 16, 1968, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised a black glove, not Juan, but John, depending on what language, a black glove exists during the playing of the U.S. National Anthem, Morgan. Why are you trying to read it, Juan Carlos? It says John, but I'm just saying, listen. First of all, you said you was out walking to join yourself, and then you still Googled it. <laughs> this is the tension I'm talking about because you felt like you needed to perform your community, and you do. That's what I'm saying. It's so hard. But No, I didn't that, want to. I wanted to just know. I'm curious. Oh, I'm curious. curious. Yeah. But he criticized them for doing that, and he said some saucy stuff. He was like, unless you open that fist and there's money in your hand, the protests don't matter. <laughs> Which, listen. There's a point to be made. I'm saying identity politics is identity politics, but economic politics is economic politics. And I'm saying there's something True to be that. said, but boy, he recanted so quickly because he understands the bigger position you were taking around collective organizing. That is Jesse and it's all of the above, actually. It's identity politics yeah. and it's economic politics. So he struggles after that, Vanessa. He opened a dry cleaner. He filed for bankruptcy. He started doing exhibition races against thoroughbred horses. I mean, he struggled. He struggled. He started being the running coach for the New York Mets at one point. He really struggled. But where he didn't struggle, actually, was in keep trying. It's one of the things I loved about reading his story is that 
when he made the mistake with John Carlos and Tommy Smith, he immediately came back and made a public statement. When he did file for bankruptcy, he came back and explained what was happening in his life. And every single time he was like trying so hard to like do the right thing. And the entire time he was with the same woman and he had his three daughters and they were just trying to live like their normal life. It's just like America has got to do better. We can't continue to use the labor of black people in a way that edifies our country, but not take care of our heroes. What kind of country does that? Like, I just don't understand it. And so my last discussion, we can also talk about the college because it's a real issue. Like, look, the only thing we need to talk about, Morgan, is run them their money, right? Is it? I mean, I have to be ignorant on the subject, too, because I think they voted recently that they were going to start doing this. So I'm not even up to date on the whole issue. But even if they are doing it, if they ain't getting like some serious money, if they can't roll with their mama up to the game with a Benz and a fur coat on, like that's the level. The college basketball players should be able to stunt on them. Like, so I don't know what they're getting paid, but it ain't enough, I'm sure. Right. And even the Olympic Committee, there was a whole controversy in 1939. The Olympic Committee itself was profiting off of the Olympics. The president of the committee was working with German Nazis to do building construction in the United States. And so he was brokering deals with the Nazis, and he remained the president of the Olympic Committee for like 20 years. So you mean to tell me that Jesse Owens can't make no money? He has to stay an amateur in order to, like, I don't believe in it one bit. Ask for your money. Ask for what you are worth. Know your value. Do not let anybody take your God-given talents from you. Don't let them use your God-given talents. I was thinking about this, Vanessa. There's so many ways we give away our talents. And I'm not talking about white versus black. I'm talking about every day where we don't value We don't value our friends, our colleagues, our family members do not value our work. And I'm saying no more, y'all. If you feel adamant as Vanessa feels that college athletes should get paid, you better do an assessment on the value of your own labor. You better do an assessment on who's making money off of all your creative IG posts. You better make an assessment. You understand what I mean? On everything you do. Come on. Look, y'all start paying your cousins double what you're paying them now when they come over and braid your hair, hook you up in the kitchen. Like, they need some competitive (laughs) rates. Okay. And they need at least 25% service tip because they out here are being front line uh, helping us look beautiful. So all that, Morgan, we got to value all of our people's time. We be tripping. We be asking for some favors. Look up, too. I'm about to go pay my doorman some more money because he be washing my car. I'm about to go pay him right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's another thing. Run your race. Everybody out there listening, Morgan included, run your race, girl. And then also know your value and fight for your value out there. That's one other thing I want to talk about. I don't remember what it was, but his life was so complicated. I was like, I feel like in the end, Jesse Owens, like he died with his wife. He showed up. I mean, that's the other thing, actually. He, in the movie, don't watch the movie, in the movie they highlighted this like crazy episode in his life when he first got on the scene and this woman who was like trying to distract him and he was in a relationship with her and then his wife to come back and all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. And I was just thinking like when you're rising to the top, he took that woman with him from 16 years old to Olympic gold most famous man in the world all the way to his grave. And I was just like, how long wow. qualifies you? <laughs> Yes. Yes. That almost qualifies you. And he fought hard for his relationship. So today I just wanted to honor 
I want that. I just wanted yeah. to honor this man. Yeah, I just wanted to honor this man and say, like, even in his poverty, even in his, you know, curious financial decisions leaving where he had to make hard decisions so that he could care for his children, even in all of that, that America, you don't actually get to have his legacy. You don't get to have his legacy that we actually are going to claim Jesse Owens as our own stars one that kept fighting, one got in the race, one who battled the, the most epic like battle on, on the Olympic stage ever and won for America, one whose labor was exploited, one who never was appreciated when he came back. And then when he came back, he fought, he fought, he fought until his death and stayed with his family and stayed on the up and up and stayed a man who was reflective, apologetic and loving to his community. And for that, I just wanted to celebrate him today. So... We love you all. We're going to end with a song. I'm trying to decide because I got Ebony having this song. I, like, I, I love it. I like it. We've been doing this in real time, y'all. We let the spirit move us, right? Let the spirit move no, us. We're no. going to take the time. No, Ebony. No, because I was going to play the Sir the Clark song, which I was feeling earlier, which I was, I was so upset by Jesse's own story. I was like, devil, get under our feet. Like, don't do it. And I was like, that's Dorinda Clark. But I'm kind of a little bit feeling we blessed. I'm a little bit feeling Fred Hammond because I actually think to your point earlier that we have to be a little bit expansive in what we have and know that we're abundant, know that we're blessed, know that everybody in our family got Jesse Owens kind of strength. Actually, Vanessa, let me end on this quick story. Do you remember money? I used to date. Okay, but I know I know the whole story is juicy, so hopefully you're going to get into it. But I'm just going to also say this. How are you going to say, Fred Hammond, we blessed, and then not expect me to go, we blessed in the city, we blessed in the... I mean, come on. Like, I know I ain't the only one. I'm so hyped now. It's like we can't have no other song, so get ready for it, Ebony. We no, blessed we go do we blessed. the city. We go do we blessed. We blessed. Yes, okay. Okay, yes. tell me, tell, honor, tell about your boyfriend money. Tell them about your boyfriend money. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's actually really important to me. It might be why I got so emotional about Jesse Owens. Yeah. It's because money, his name was James. So James in the 11th grade went to athlete camp or whatever at Tuskegee University, and he beat Jesse Owens' record. He was the fastest runner at the 100-yard dash in all the state of California. He beat every single record. I mean, he smoked weed every morning in the shower, but he still beat everybody. (laughs) He just had this, like, natural, beautiful talent. And every single college, I was at his house every single day. Every single college was sending him letters. The phone was ringing nonstop. Everybody wanted him because he ran track. He beat Jesse Owens' record in the summer league. And then he also played football. And so he decided to go to Texas A&M. And when he was at Texas A&M... He wanted to start, and the coach wanted to redshirt him, and they got into an argument. So he actually went back to Tuskegee, and the coach remembered him from breaking the record and gave him entrance into the college. Well, he didn't have a scholarship at that late point, so he had to come back home. And two months after being back home, he got arrested under the gang law, under Clinton administration, from being affiliated with his cousin who was in an armed robbery, and they said they were a robbery gang, and he went to prison for 13 years. And it was just like every single one of us knows a Jesse Owens. And boy, if he had just had his opportunity to get on the world stage, like, I don't want to hear about like no collective resistance. We're running for our lives out here. We're running for our lives. And I just want y'all to run. I just want you to go at your personal best. I think that there is a level of privilege 
where you can step back and look at something idealistically, where you can step back and say, well, this is the best moral position. And then I think there's people who can't eat gold medals. I think there are people who are people like where I come from. I mean, it's like who I am or it's like so hardwired in me that we just have to go. We have to keep going because like every single thing in our lives has been formed to kill us. And so I'm saying like money never had a chance. He never even had a chance. So if he got a chance to go to the Olympics and somebody told him to sit it out, you know, because some crazy dictator is like killing Jewish people en masse. No, like this is my dream. You know what I mean? And so like, it's just such a hard place to be in as a black person where we're just trying so hard. And then we have all of these vacillations and pressures coming from every side. And I just want y'all to know that all of that matters and it kind of doesn't matter because you have what you need. You're beautiful. Like you don't have to strive and struggle quite so much. None of us, I'm talking to myself really, and I'm talking to you, Vanessa, like we already have what we need. Just put your eyes on the horizon, take your position and just run your race a little bit. Stop looking to the left, stop looking to the right, stop looking behind, just run your race. Because when you do, that's when your blessing's going to come. So let's hear We're blessed, Ebony. We're blessed. All right, y'all. Be blessed, everyone.